All right, let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 today. First Corinthians chapter 10, we have a new series. We're going to talk about pitfalls for Christians. And today's first pitfall, we're going to talk about the pitfall of lust. And Lord willing, we're going to look at a couple others as we go along in the next several weeks. So uh, there are handouts back there if you didn't get one. They're there. You can get one for next week because you know what we'll be doing next week and probably the week after and so forth. So, uh, so today's lesson is the pitfall of lust. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 10 in a moment, but I'm going to bounce around and look at some other passages of Scripture um, before we get there. So let's uh, start with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your love to us, your faithfulness. And we ask that your word would instruct us, warn us, guide us, encourage us. And I pray that you'd help us as we uh, consider these uh, subjects, we pray. That you'd be honored and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So what's a pitfall? What's a pitfall? If you want to keep your finger there in 1 Corinthians 10, we will eventually get there. I'm going to look at some verses in the Psalms. I think I have those listed there on your handout, and I'm going to start with Psalm 35. But what is a pitfall? A pitfall, it's a, it's a hole, really. It's a hole that is slightly covered. It's, it's set up to be a trap. Usually it's, the intention is to catch something or someone. And so you cover this, tr- this hole, hopefully someone walks over it and falls right into it. I hope you haven't fallen in any of those literal pitfalls. Uh, you probably break an ankle, or if you go far, far enough, fur enough, <laughs> far enough down, you're going to get hurt and trapped, right? And really, that's kind of the intention of the devil. He sets up these pitfalls for our soul so that we don't necessarily see this trap that we fall into it and that we're captured and we're stuck in there, and he wants to keep us as captives. And uh, that's not a good thing, right? He's a, he's a scoundrel. So I want to look at a couple of verses just kind of in way of introduction before we actually talk about the first pitfall, because I think it's helpful for us to understand, you know, just properly under, introduce the subject, okay? So in Psalm 35, verse number 7, it says... For without cause they have laid, this is the Psalm of David, for without cause they have hid from me their net in a pit, which without cause they have digged for my soul. So here, again, he actually lays out the idea. It's hidden. They've, they've hid a net in a pit. They've, they've uh, they put this out there, and the devil is good at this, right? Putting things out there to trip you up, to snare you, to capture you. If you don't believe that, uh, just live for a little bit. He wants to get you captive to some sin. Uh, and if you think, well, I'm just minding my own business. I'm not going to hurt people, and they won't hurt me. That's not true. You can mind your own business, and they, people will hurt you. 
The devil, there's a lot of bad people out there in the world. And we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And we have to understand that a lot of what's going on behind the scenes is the devil orchestrating things to trip us up, to uh, get us to fall, to get us uh, entrapped in some kind of sin because it wars and damages our soul. Look, look there again at the verse. It says, For without cause have they hid from me their net in a pit, which without cause they have digged for my soul. For my soul. All right, so this is an attack on our souls. We're talking not just a physical pit there. We're talking about one for our souls. The devil is always against us, wants to damage us spiritually. Now you can turn over to Psalm 40, and we look in verse number 2. I'll start there in verse 1. I, patient, I waited patiently for the Lord, again another psalm of David, and he inclined unto me and heard me. So he's praying, and he's thanking God that he heard him. Then he says, he brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and establish my goings. He said he was in a horrible pit. I can't think of being in any pit, trapped in any pit, and think it would be anything less than horrible. You know, it's not air conditioned. You know, it's not, uh, you know, it's not, not a well-watered supply, you know, stock of uh, food and drink. And, hey, you know, this is, there's, there's no uh, pillow top mattress down there. You know, memory foam or whatever you, you, you choose. A pit is not designed to be comfortable. It's just designed to, to, to capture you. And so uh, here's David, uh, and uh, he, he's thankful for the deliverance that God gave him. So that should encourage us that with God, there is deliverance from these pits. So, yeah, we're going to talk about some, but just keep in mind from the get-go that there is deliverance. So if you've uh, fallen prey to the devil in any way or fallen in any, any of these pits we'll talk about, God's strong, he's mighty, he's able, he's willing, he wants to help us out. Amen? He doesn't want to keep us down there. Uh, Psalm 57, verse number 6. Psalm 57, verse number 6. The Bible says they have prepared, again, this is David, when he's hiding from Saul in a cave, he's hiding because Saul's out to kill him. He's hunting him down, wants to kill him, and so he's hiding. He says, they have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me into the midst whereof they are fallen themselves. So he said it was prepared they, they have prepared a net for my steps. Don't think that things just kind of happen, all right? Attacks against the Christian are prepared. They're calculated, all right? The devil has a plan. It's not just, oh, this happened? No, it just didn't happen. There is something else going on here. And you have to understand that this is, uh, this is a prepared thing. Then I want you to see in Psalm 88. Psalm 88, verse number 4.
Another idea, just introducing the idea of, of pits. It says, I am counted with them that go down into the pit. I am as a man that hath no strength. So he's describing himself saying, you know, I'm just like someone who's fallen in a pit. And what is his conclusion there? The person in the pit has no strength. They're weak. Why? Because they're famished. They don't have the, 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 the physical supplies that they need. And, and they're probably weak also because if you're in a pit, you don't want to stay there. Hopefully, you, you know, if you get in a pit, you try to get out. But the, the problem is you're in a pit. You can't get out. If you're in a deep pit, you can try all you want, climbing up the sides and all, all that. You're, you're stuck if they've made the pit good enough, right? You're stuck in there. And, and that's the key. The devil wants to keep us in there and we try to fight in our own strength to get out of some of these messes that we get ourselves into and human reasoning and human human strength isn't enough to get you out and what that does is just makes you fatigued and weak and you can't get out on your own it's a pretty helpless situation but we already looked at the fact that God is able to deliver us and get us out of the pit so if you're uh, in the pit, it's, it's, not a, it's not a fun place. Uh, I'd be remiss. Let me just turn quickly. That's kind of diverging a little bit. If you go with me to Proverbs 26, verse 27, I'd be remiss not to warn us about making pits for other people because the Bible has much to say about that, that we shouldn't be setting other people up for the fall. And people do that. But that should not ever be a, a mark or a trait of a Christian. In Proverbs 26, verse number 27, it says, Whoso diggeth a pit shall fall therein, and he that rolleth a stone, it will return upon him. You know, the world has this saying, what goes around comes around. Well, that's where they get that, the idea. You roll a stone, on, on it's going to be rolled back on you. You dig a pit, you're the one that's going to fall into it. In other words... You try to set someone else up, just mark it down, you're going down too, okay? And it's devilish, really, to set pitfalls for other people. One more verse on that is uh, Proverbs 28, verse number 10 that I'll give you. And it says, whoso causeth the righteous to go astray in an evil way, he shall fall himself into his own pit but the upright shall have good things in possession. And that's an interesting verse. Whoso causes the righteous to go astray in an evil way. It could be that there's someone in here who wants to do what's wrong. They want to be bad. And you, and you know what they say, misery loves company. You want someone else to join you. And so you're going to try to get someone to join in on your rebellion, your disobedience, your waywardness. And you're pulling a righteous person away from God? The Bible says you better be careful. You will fall into a pit, and, and, and God's not happy about that type of thing. Uh, all right, enough said about pits. I have more verses, but I just want to introduce the thought that they're not nice, and, and, and you could be going about your own business, trying to do your own, you know, just... Keep to yourself, but as David said, it's, they set a trap without cause. 
I'm doing nothing wrong to hurt people, but that doesn't stop people from trying to hurt you. And it doesn't stop the devil from trying to hurt you. In fact, if you're serving God, all the more reason he wants to get you in a pit. So over the next few weeks, several weeks, we're planning to look at some of these different pits. Today, the first one we're going to talk about is the pit of lust. Now, it's a trap that def- definitely the devil uh, uses. Now, lust, as we'll explain here, um, it, it goes beyond just uh, sexual immorality. It includes that, and we'll touch on that uh, hopefully today. But it's not just that. He wants to rob us of all sorts of things, not just our moral purity, but um, it goes further than that. It, it, it prevents people from living a life that's fulfilling and pleasing to God. And so lust will defile us. It'll dirty us. It uh, gets us to focus on pleasing the flesh rather than pleasing God. And so you don't want to fall into this pit. So I want to ask a few questions about lust, and we'll try to answer them from the Bible. The first one is, number one, if you have your outline there, it's what is lust? Okay, the word means uh, to set your heart upon. It means to put your heart upon something, to long for something. It involves the idea of um, coveting something, wanting something really badly. So it's longing for. So as we see then, lust involves our desires. Obviously, if you think about it, we can and we should have some good desires right? And, and sometimes the Bible even says, the, you know, the, the word lust, in most cases it's used in a, in a negative way. Sometimes it's not, uh, right? The spirit within us lusteth to envy. What's that mean? He wants to be bad? No, it means he, he desires us to do what's right. He's, he's trying to get us not to follow the flesh. The flesh is has this carnal, ungodly desire. And so when the Spirit is working in us, uh, he's trying to promote good desires. So at the very definition of the word, it's not bad because not all desires are bad. However, in most cases that we use it, in most cases we see it because we're fallen, depraved creatures, the word lust has a very negative connotation, and it is bad. And Satan's not going to lure you to, um, <laughs> into wholesome desires, okay? So you say, well, I have a good desire. Well, that's okay. Good desire is okay. Hopefully you desired to come to church today. Hopefully you desire to be a blessing to someone today. Hopefully your desire for God to speak to your heart today. Those are good uh, desires. Those are okay. So we're going to confine our discussion to the lust that uh, we would describe as forbidden desires. Forbidden by God because God says you shouldn't want and desire and long for and covet after these things. And quite honestly, people, we all have desires that are ungodly. All right? So I want you to see here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. 
uh, what the Bible says. We'll, we'll look at several verses in here. In verse number 6, it says, Now these things were, this is Paul speaking, he says, These things were our examples to the intent, so he's giving some examples, to the intent we should not lust after what? Evil things, as they, the children of Israel in the context, also lusted. So I said, I wrote some things so that you won't lust after evil things. So that's the thing. God doesn't want us to lust and desire and long after evil things. But people do, right? After, you know, after the weekend, people go into work and say, hey, you know what I did? <laughs> and it's usually not really good what they did, and they're all excited about it. And they're talking about how they fulfilled this lust. Man, I got totally wasted. Right, I hit up on this chick, man, and oh, yeah. And it's, it's forbidden desires that people are all excited about fulfilling. And so he gives us some examples in the following verses. Okay? So as I mentioned, people typically think, well, when you talk about the word lust, it's dealing with sexual lust. And oftentimes it does, and it certainly includes that. But he gives us some other examples here too. So the next verse, verse number 7, he says, Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. There's a, there's a couple things going on in here. First one, he's talking about idolatry. He said, well, hey, you know, I don't have any idols set up in my house. I'm not down, bowing down and worshiping Buddha or someone like that, so I'm good to go there. Well, you're not necessarily good to go there because an idolater is someone who puts anything before God. Right? You put a relationship with someone else before God, you've idolized a person. You put money before God. You say, well, I can make some extra money. I don't have to be in church. And you're, you're putting money in a career or whatever before God. You're idolizing something else. And so we can definitely be uh, guilty of that. And I think it's important to see in context that, that we're not supposed to lust after evil things. This is one of those evil things. People, because of their lust, idolized. Oh, now it's interesting here. Need to be idolaters, as were some of them. And now he's going to describe what their idolatry was. Look at God's description. As it is written, the people sat down to do what? Eat and drink and rose up to play. Ooh, ouch. So is that possible then that seeking pleasure and entertainment can be a form of idolatry? Not only possible, that's what God says. That's his description. One of the descriptions of idolatry is seeking pleasure and entertainment. Do people idolize entertainers? Huh? You hear people talk about Swifties. What on earth is a Swiftie? A Swiftie is someone who follows Taylor Swift. 
you're not too swift if you're a Swifty, sorry. Uh, and, and they idolize these entertainers. People idolize sports stars, don't they? There are some people who can do some amazing things with a ball. Just keep that in mind. It's a ball. It is amazing that they can do some of the things that they do with a ball and get paid millions and millions of dollars for it. Okay. Uh, but people idolize them and say, oh, I wish I could be like, look at the lives of some of those people. I don't want to be like some of those because some of those, they're not following God. They're not following God's word. They're against God. And so pleasure, pleasure. They rose up to play. You know, back in the day, you, you know, baseball games for, you know, Little League and, and peewee football and all that stuff would be on Saturdays. Now they, they schedule all sorts of sports activities for the young people across our nation on Sundays. So little children rise up to play on Sunday when they should be where? In church, worshiping, but God's not in a lot of people's culture anymore. So that's idolatry. That is falling into the pitfall of lust. A desire, longing to play and to entertain and have fun and to put other things before God. That's lust, and that's a pitfall. And the devil has conquered so many people, not just in the world, but even Christians fall trapped to that. The pitfall. He's got pitfalls. He wants us to fall into these areas. It doesn't stop there. So we, we see the, the pitfall of idolatry and pleasure and entertainment there in verse number 7. Now verse number 8, the one that we would have thought of initially when we think of lust. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed. And fell in one day three and 20,000. I think it's kind of interesting how God just included that. He says, they committed fornication. And 23,000 who did so, God killed one day. Um, does that tell you what God thinks of the sin of fornication? And he even included there, uh, neither let us commit fornication. Fornication is, is nothing today. It's nothing in our society. It's, it's like eating it's like having a meal. It's like drinking a, a Coke to refresh you. It's like taking an energy drink to give you energy. It's, it's whatever. It's just like, it's, it's just an animalistic, carnal fulfillment. I feel like eating, I'll eat. That's okay, you need to eat. I feel like drinking, I'll drink. It's okay, you probably need some water to stay hydrated. If I feel like um, being immoral, I'll be immoral. And there's no, no, no regret, no remorse, nothing with so many people. It's just, it's no big deal. But in God's eyes, it is a big deal. 
God hates it. And it's a pitfall. It is lust. It is a, it is a forbidden desire outside of marriage. So I have some of the verses listed here that I think will help us. Uh, in Proverbs chapter 6, verse number 25, important to see some of these verses. Um, Solomon wrote this. He said, lust not after her beauty. Well, whose beauty? Let's go back to verse 24. To keep thee, he said, I gave you some reproofs of instruction in verse 23, which are the way of life. So I'm giving you some instruction. I'm trying to reprove you. And we need some reproof at times. He said in verse 24, to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. You know, whether it's a, a woman flattering a man to be immoral with her or a man flattering a woman who gives her a little attention, she's like, ooh, somebody likes me. Yeah, he doesn't like you. He wants something from you. Uh, all of that is, is, is powerful, it's effective, but it's wrong. And he said, um, notice in verse 24, it talks about the, that, oh, the woman that does that, she's an evil woman. And the, a man who does that is an evil man. If we apply that to America and the amount of people who have fornication in America, you know what that tells me? We have a lot of evil people in our country. And if we think that's normal and okay in, in, amongst church members, what would that make our church? An evil church. And God doesn't want an evil church. So as long as you come here, don't be surprised when you hear one of us get up and say that it's evil. Because it is evil. Now, there are churches you can go to that aren't going to tell you it's evil. You might feel more comfortable there, but one day you'll meet God and have a judgment day, and it might not be comfortable then, so maybe just stick around and keep hearing the truth. Amen? Anyway, so let's get to the verse I was trying to get to, <laughs> to begin with. Verse 25, lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. Okay, she's an evil woman. She's a strange woman. Um, obviously, she's revealing part of her body and God's saying, lust not after her beauty, but she's beautiful. She might be, but that doesn't mean you should desire and long for that person you're not married to, right? So it's a clear command from God, lust not. Pretty simple, lust not. But how many people do lust? They long for, they desire you know, the guys are walking down the street, they see some scantily clad woman and they're catcalling her. And she's all offended, like, why would they do that? Uh, hello? Let me just say this. You might get offended. If it's not for sale, don't advertise. That's just a little hint for you there. Okay? Now let's continue, <laughs> let's continue to Proverbs 22, verse number 14. Proverbs 22, verse number 14. And then we're going to talk about this idea of lust and, 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 and tie it in, because that Bible actually does tie it together with a pitfall. 
Look in Proverbs 22, verse number 14. It says, the mouth of a strange woman is a deep pit. He that is abhorred of the Lord shall fall therein. So she is going to sweet talk this man, but all that she's saying is to lure him into a deep pit. Lust, and this idea of immorality, and it promises all sorts of happiness and satisfaction and gratification and all that. It is empty and it brings you to a pit. In verse, chapter 23, verse 27 is another idea. Chapter 23, verse 27, for a whore is a deep ditch and a strange woman is a narrow pit. Whoa, okay. Their pitfalls, traps set up to take a person captive. And when you get on your phone, there's going to be, if you're not careful and don't have some safety protocols in there, there's going to be some strange women, some evil women, some whorish women who are there to get you in a pit. The devil's got them there. Okay? Okay, let's get back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So what is lust? It's this forbidden desire. Things that I want that God doesn't want me to want. Put, it, put yourself in there. Things that you want that God doesn't want you to want. Are there some things like that? There's all sorts of things like that. God's given us a list of, of a few of them, some examples here. So we're not supposed to lust after evil things. The first one in verse 7 is this idea of idolatry, pleasure-seeking, and entertainment. And in verse number 8 is fornication. Verse number 9, you wouldn't normally think of this as a lust. God puts it here in the, in the passage. In verse number 9, neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were what? destroyed of serpents. You see how God's putting some of this in here? Here's lust, and this is what has happened to some of the people who fell into that pitfall. So there's a warning, and don't do this, and those, there are some people, let me tell you about some people who did it, and this is what happened to them. So we're going to escape judgment? No, we're not going to escape judgment. So... Don't tempt Christ. So Psalm, I've got a couple passages here for you. Psalm 78, verse 18, is the first one. Tempting the Lord. We shouldn't tempt God in any way. Psalm 78, 18. Children of Israel, and they tempted God in their heart by, here's how they tempted him, in case you were wondering, what's tempting God? By asking meat for their lust. Now, is it okay to have meat? Yes. This is not a verse teaching vegetarianism, okay? You can have, you can have meat. But what was the problem? God had given them uh, manna. He said, this is the food I have for you. He had prepared a daily ration of food for them. They were wandering in the wilderness. He gave them manna. Uh, 
And it was heavenly food. It was like angels' food, the Bible describes it. It was a lightweight wafer, sweet. It was, it was good. God made it. It was heavenly food. God made it and gave it to them. It was to sustain them. It was to take care of them. And the big problem was not, not that meat is sin. They had meat before they were out in the wilderness, and they were going to have meat after they got out of the wilderness. But the problem was that they wanted something that God hadn't provided for them, and they were complaining. They were, well, we, we've got this. In fact, the other, parts, the other part of the Bible says that they, they said, we loathe this light bread. They said, we hate what you've provided for us. We don't want this. We want meat. Give us something else. And so the idea, I hope you understand now, it's not just, it's not that meat's bad for you, but they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. And the next verse says, yea, they spake against God. So tempting God is you're going against him, his plan, his will, his provision, and you're not satisfied with what he's done for you and what he's given to you. It's a serious offense, and it's a pitfall, and we can all fall into it. And God said that we're not supposed to lust after evil things. Now, is meat an evil thing? No, but yes, when it's not something that God has for us right now. So whatever you want that God doesn't want for you right now should be put into the category as an evil thing. And we're tempting God when we're saying, I don't like what you've given me. I want this. You're not a good God. You haven't taken care of me. That's tempting God. Hope that explains it a little bit better for you. In Psalm 106, verse 14, also describes them. It says, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. I think that should also teach us another lesson. That lusting exceedingly for something is tempting God. I'm going to want what I want. Not, let, let, you're not saying this, but I want what I want. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> you say, I wouldn't say that. No, but that's the message we give to God. Oh, that's not a good message. Okay. Yeah. So we're back in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're kind of working our way through this passage and looking at some of these evil things that God says in verse 6 that we're not supposed to lust after, right? Uh, we should not lust after evil things as they also listed. He gives us some of these here. And verse number 10 is complaining. In verse 10 it says, Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured. And then what does it say? And were destroyed of the destroyer. They were complaining. And God said, you want to complain? I remember my dad would say sometimes to us kids, you want to complain? I'll give you something to complain about. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, maybe you shouldn't complain, right? Maybe some of you have also heard that when you were a kid. 
want to complain, I'll give you something to complain about. And that's what God did. They were complaining. They weren't satisfied. Obviously, they had tempted God, and they were just, some of them were destroyed of the destroyer. He said, fine. You won't be complaining anymore. Um, that's how he handled it in that situation. He, he gave us these examples, and look with me in verse, let me just say, let me apply it. I'm not even going to get to the first one, am I? Well, I'm kind, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of. I mean, we got through first point number one. Isn't that great? We got, well, we will. Lord willing, get through point number one. But what do you, do you complain? Are you a complainer? complainer? Are you a murmurer? I understand that's lust. It's bad. God says it's an evil thing. It's not just, well, yeah, I just, sometimes I complain a little bit. You know, we're all different. We're all geared differently. Well, then if you're geared that way, you're geared toward evil things. So maybe switch gears, right? Complaining is not a good thing. It's an evil thing, and it's a pitfall, and we have to beware of this pitfall that we have to remember God has given good things to us. He has a good plan for our lives Bad things come into our lives, and the devil's certainly going to set up a pitfall and several pitfalls for us to fall into because he wants to injure us and hurt our spiritual uh, walk with the Lord. Now, let's wrap this up and look in verse number 11. Now, he says, all these things happened unto them for samples, for pattern, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So he's saying, all these things I just mentioned, don't lust after evil things. He gave us several of those things not to lust after. It's not a complete list. We shouldn't lust after any evil thing. These are some of the ones that were listed. And he said, I put these here for you so that they're for our admonition, for our instruction and warning that we wouldn't lust after these things. Um, And so don't just sit there and say, yeah, they were bad and look what happened to them. That's not, what, that's not why God put it in there. Look at it and say, they were bad, that's what happened to them, and that's what's going to happen to me. If I lust after evil things, if I'm lusting after idolatry and pleasure and entertainment, if I'm lusting after uh, uh, forn- fornicative thoughts and ideas, if I'm tempting God by by not being happy with what he's given me and wanting something that he doesn't want me to have. Or if I'm complaining, we need to personalize these things. So I hope you have a better idea of what lust is. It's not just these uh, immoral passions. It certainly includes them, and that's a huge problem in our country. But it's all these other forbidden desires. We want to do these things. We want to complain. We want to be uh, given over to putting other things before God because we have a corrupt flesh and that's why we have to continually seek the Lord's help and ask him to help us to defeat the works of the flesh and to fill us with his Holy Spirit so we can have victory over this flesh. All right, so... Hopefully, Lord willing, we'll get through more than one point next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, it's clear. 
And it's amazing, Lord, sometimes we'll come into church, we'll hear it taught, we'll hear it preached, and it's so clear, and then we walk out, and we get so clouded in our mind and so forgetful. Help us not to just be hearers of the word, but doers also, because then we'll be blessed in our deed. So I pray you'll give us a good day and a wonderful service to follow. Help us be faithful to you. Lord, thank you for those who uh, made the effort on this uh, cold, damp morning to get out of bed and come to church. And I pray that you'll bless all that came and are looking for something from you. 